For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to episode five of the Flying V Anaheim Ducks podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. Here on the Believe Podcast Network, Southern California's number one podcast network, the only place with a show for every team in Southern California and more. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Yep. I am your co-host, Anthony Cerdelli, with you today and your other co-host, Kent Huskins. Kent, where are you today? Morning, Anthony. I am uh, I'm live. From Almont, Ontario, uh, a town I grew up in, about uh, 40 minutes west of Ottawa. Uh, just in my uh, my parents' front room here, overlooking uh, the Mississippi River that runs through town. So we got the fall colors going up here. So it's uh, yeah, it's good. We got Canadian Thanksgiving. It was agree uh, my wife's birthday yesterday, and then um, we've got a one of my good buddies I grew up with, his wedding is uh, in a few hours here. So it's a, a fun weekend. Wow, and happy Canadian Thanksgiving and uh, happy birthday to Bree. And also uh, yeah. a little bit of bar trivia. I would have never known the Mississippi River makes it all the way to Ontario. So you learn something every day. Since this is a sports-related uh, podcast, I can, I can add this little tidbit too that uh, the inventor of basketball, Dr. James Naismith, Everyone can look this up. Dr. James Naismith uh, invented it at, at basketball with the peach baskets and a gym class at a prep school in Massachusetts. I'm not sure. Yeah. But here's the kicker. He was born in Almont, Ontario. So there's a, a, a James Naismith statue in our little downtown here. So little known fact. Wow, that's pretty cool. That's uh, that is. I had no idea that he was even Canadian. I guess Canadians invent all the good stuff, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I like. So there were little uh, little hints during the the Raptors epic run this year. They're always talking about how uh, they have little casual blurbs of how basketball was kind of semi born in Canada. So that's what we're talking about, Elmont, Ontario. The population, I think, we're at about five thousand now. Wow. Well, we'll get started with some hockey now after uh, after some uh, just pleasantries. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> so uh, today we're going to go over the road trip, how it's going for the Ducks, including uh, the two game, three games against Detroit, Pittsburgh, and Columbus. They went two and one, and we'll preview the upcoming games against Boston, Buffalo, uh, and I believe uh, I forget who that last team is, but Boston and Buffalo are coming up next, and then we'll talk about for our three stars the. Big, three biggest oh crap they're coming players uh, for Kent when he was playing uh, bearing down on him on the forecheck uh, sound good? 
Yeah, sounds great. All right. So, uh, Anaheim Ducks currently in the middle of a road trip where they're two and one. Uh, like we, I think we'd hope they were, uh, with victories over Detroit and Columbus and a loss sandwich there in between to Pittsburgh. Uh, Kent, what, what are your impressions from, from the road trip so far? I mean, I, I think uh, the Ducks, Ducks baseball, everyone following the team was wondering, uh, obviously had the good start at home, but we were wondering how things would hold up on the road. And yeah, I think so far so good. I mean, I think it's kind of a good preview of what the rest of the season is like not as far as um wins and losses i think that's going to the standings are probably going to remain pretty tight throughout the season but just i think they're going to be a lot of close games this year a lot of two one a lot of three two um which i mean is great i think it's going to make for a lot of uh exciting exciting hockey for the season but uh now so far all, all signs are positive from what i can see yeah, and I mean, it shows the importance of John Gibson and, and Ryan Miller there, the, the goalie tandem for the Ducks. And if they're not going to score a lot, uh, they're going to need to need to be on top of their game the whole season. But on top of those scoring woes, I, I kind of wanted to highlight, I mean, not woes because they're winning, but um, I was thinking, I was. are you concerned at all, first of all, about the lack of power play scoring? Because I don't, I believe they haven't scored a power play goal yet. And then also the, the young players who, uh, admittedly, I was expecting maybe too much out of or to come out of the gate. I think out of all of them, uh, only Max Jones has an assist. I might be mistaken there. And then I know Sam Steele's injured. Comtois only played a game or two. But are, are you at all concerned about the power play and the contribution so far from the young players? Uh, well, I mean, I think, yeah, I think you kind of nailed it. I mean, they're, they're winning games. Obviously that's the most, most important thing, but yeah, I think you, uh, I don't know. Thinking about the scoring. Yeah. I think there's some of those guys would be looking to, um, produce points more so than others, but I think just taking a, a look at overall, I think they've been good. I think, um, Terry and Jones, just their overall games look good. Um, Terry's getting chances. He's getting, uh, you know, he's getting puck possession time in the offensive zone. He's, yeah, I mean, he's had chances, and that's, I think, what you're really looking for in the big picture is just the overall play and whether they're getting chances. And the, the points will kind of work themselves out over time. But And then with a, with a guy like Jones, I think you're looking at the – points are great but you're you're looking at all the other stuff he brings to the table as far as finishing checks kind of hunting pucks getting on the four check all that that kind of thing so i think overall their games look great like they're definitely not not liability you see them out there in the last minute of periods you see them out in all situations i think that's a huge vote of confidence from the coach and a good indicator of where their level of play is at overall and like i said i think the points will sort, sort themselves out over time yeah, and, and you mentioned the forecheck. That's one thing I noticed they're both especially good at, uh, particularly when they're out there together. Um, <laughs> it just seems like whether Terry or Jones are the first forward on the puck and then the, the other one's kind of uh, off covering the next man, that they're they're both really giving opposing defenders fits. Is that is that something you've noticed as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think, yeah, they just, they just look fast and they you just – Watching these games, especially seeing the ones in person where you can um, kind of uh, like sitting up top and then you can see the kind of global view. But um, 
you see a, a lot of these shifts, a lot of opposing defensemen are kind of hunched over, uh, like trying to catch their breath. And that's always uh, something you like to see in your opponent and uh, just kind of wears you down over the course of 60 minutes. And um, yeah, just allows you to kind of keep the puck out of your end. And so your, your D aren't, aren't having to be hunched over or, uh, you know, wasting energy playing defense is a lot more, uh, consuming of your energy playing in your own end than it is in the offensive zone. So anytime you can have that territorial advantage, that's a great thing. And uh, a couple other things I think we I think we both noticed uh, in Detroit and Pittsburgh, or at least that I was curious about, that, that the Ducks kind of showed a couple signs of, I think, uh, important signs that they're, they're going to be good going forward. First with that third period comeback in Detroit, uh, down a goal in the third period. They score, I believe, three in the third and, and take the win. And then even though they lost in Pittsburgh, uh, that I think largely due to penalty problems, uh, they scored right after getting scored on. I, I, that I've always found to be a sign of a, a confident and um, I think consistent NHL team is scoring punching right back after you've, after you've been scored on first. Yeah, I think first, uh, yeah, going back to the Detroit game, you mentioned giving up the, the late goal there in the second period. Like that is the, the cardinal, uh, the cardinal says, it's always been a traditional backbreaker and so taboo to give up a, a goal in the last minute of the, the second period or, or even the first period, you know, always uh, thought to be disastrous but to be able to come back and, and basically totally flip the script and, and come out and dominate the third period like we did uh, it looks to me it's hard sometimes to tell uh, TV just kind of you're kind of going off the camera views that are available but it looks to me like there might have been a I suspect probably a, a coaching adjustment as far as their uh, the duck neutral zone between the second and the third because it just looked like Detroit. I mean, all three goals uh, that the Ducks scored were direct results of turnovers in the neutral zone and at their blue line. So it looked to me like Detroit was pretty, pretty thrown off and uh, just trying to, to force plays that weren't there that resulted in those turnovers. And the Ducks did a great job of of transitioning and they're just manufacturing three goals. And just, I think the, the chances at one point in the third period were uh, 14 to one for the Ducks. So just being able to, to do that in the third period on the road after giving up that late golden second was, uh, was awesome to see. Um, and then, yeah, as for the Pittsburgh, um, I think that might be maybe the, the first, first game of the year where uh, I felt like Pittsburgh might have been a little played a little more uh, a little more desperate for a larger amount of time than the Ducks did that game I think you heard some of that in the post game comments uh, I thought uh, Crosby was was really really good in that game um, made some great plays and uh, just kind of was kind of vintage, uh, vintage Crosby. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that the Penguins looked maybe just a touch hungrier and a little, uh, out compete. I mean, that's going to happen over the course of 82 games. You're not going to have, uh, your, your A plus, uh, every night. So I mean, they did, they competed well and Gibson was phenomenal again. And, and you touched on the goaltending that, uh, that they've been getting. And with goaltending like that, um, between Gibson and Miller, what 
what they've shown so far this year, you're going to be in every every game, every night, and give your team a chance to win. Um, yeah, that, that was my take on those first two games. What did you think of the uh, the Columbus game? I thought it was uh, I thought it was first of all impressive that they came back and won the following night after losing to Pittsburgh. You got a younger team, the first loss of the season, and back to back games, and you come back and 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 beat Columbus. I thought that was a, uh, uh, definitely showed a lot of heart on their part. Also, uh, Cam Fowler scoring again with uh, an assist by Andre Kasha. Uh, both of those players, I think, so far through this 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 point in the season, have looked excellent. Cam Fowler looks like a totally different player than he did last season. And uh, and Kasha is still like a wrecking ball in there. I mean, he's, he's getting a lot of assists and, and setting up a lot of plays. So uh, I thought those are the biggest points from the Columbus win. And, and Ryan Miller, obviously, in net. Uh, I've written an article a few a few days ago on the hockey writers about the importance I think of playing Ryan Miller more this season. Last season was a little bit like extenuating circumstances because they both Gibson and Miller got injured for a certain period of time and it kind of threw things off. But even before yeah. that, uh, Randy Carlisle really I think rode Gibson a little too hard in terms of just games he like amount of games that he was on pace to play before he got injured. So I think um, Miller looking good is important and I think he needs to play I think he he I think they should share the load a little more not because of any fault of Gibson's just because you want to keep him fresh if you are in the hunt towards the end of the season yeah yeah I I definitely uh definitely agree with you there I think Miller's just I mean Gibson's in lights out I think Miller's just looks so good even going back to the preseason he just looks so good this year I, I think it's just for uh, his performance, I mean, speaks for itself, but just how he looks and his mannerisms, just his, his positioning, he just looks so solid in the net, so positionally sound, just looks kind of making every save look easy, never looks overly stressed, just looks totally in control. Um, and, yeah, he basically kind of bought the deck some time in the first period against Columbus when uh, their you know, jackets were getting – and some pretty good chances, but uh, he just looked unflappable in there and that he was just kind of buying the distance time, like I say, to, to get that lactic acid out, get your travel legs out after, yeah, as you mentioned, coming in for the, the second half of a back-to-back uh, with travel against a rested team playing in a Friday night home game. And, I mean, Columbus is no slouch. We've got a good team. They play hard, uh, coached by uh, Tortorella. Those teams always play hard or tough to play against and yeah I think just find them that time get through the first period get through that intermission get things settled down you saw they got a, a pretty fortunate bounce on their first goal on the shorty there um, but nice play by Raquel kind of a little pass off the pad and uh, be able to capitalize on that opportunity I think uh, is huge on the road when you get those chances you got to bury them and and they capitalized on that. And then, yeah, I mean, Fowler's just, he looks so good this year. The, the skating, he just makes it look easy. He's just jumping up into the rush. I think he's looked good on the power play as far as shot selection and finding a way to get shot through or shooting for sticks where guys can can tip them. And, um, yeah, just playing playing tough minutes against, uh, against better players on other teams as well. So, yeah, he's just a... Another guy that uh, just looks looks super solid early on. Absolutely, and then uh, 
moving on to the games that are coming up. Uh, so it'll be Boston, I believe the next game, and then Buffalo and Carolina. I think those are back at, in Anaheim. Um, against Boston, I mean, that's going to be their biggest test of the season. Uh, without any bias there, I mean, it's just a, a team coming off a, a Stanley Cup, uh, not win, uh, not Stanley Cup victory, losing in the Stanley Cup finals to St. Louis. But they're already hot this season. They've only lost one game. And they really play a really solid all-around game. They've got the, the huge, the first line, they call it the perfection line with Marshan, Bergeron, and Pasternak. And they also have that unit on the power play. Their penalties, penalty kill has been pretty good. Uh, and then they have good goaltending with Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Halak. I think this is going to be the biggest, obviously the biggest test of the season for the Ducks in terms of, first of all, defending that line, getting getting the, the defense dialed because, um, you, I mean, they've been keeping shots to the perimeter, but you've seen in some points, uh, specifically against Pittsburgh, that they've kind of let, let the other teams penetrate uh, closer into the goal. So I think that's going to be a big test for them. And then also scoring. I mean, Boston has a pretty good defensive core between Carlo, McAvoy, Chara, Grizzlick. So uh, I think that if you, if the Ducks can play well against the Bruins and, and give them a game, I think that'll be a good sign. And then you've got Buffalo and Carolina, who are two of the highest scoring teams in the NHL right now. Not only are they winning, they're number two and three, I think, Buffalo and Carolina, uh, respectively, for go- in goals four. So they can score. They're fast. They're, I think in the Eastern Conference, if the Ducks eventually get back to being a, a Stanley Cup contender, those teams in the next five years might be uh, a team that they're they're going to have to prepare for. Yeah, well, I think, uh, yeah, the Boston game, obviously that's a, uh, yeah, going into, into Boston for a 1 p.m. game. I always hated those games, the afternoon games, uh, just because your, your road, routine's thrown off. I mean, you're used to having uh, you have your pregame skate in the morning and go back to the, hotel for the old meal and, and get a nice uh nice little nap or whatever whatever everyone's uh, routine is but when you're when you have a one o'clock game and your kind of body and and mind isn't used to isn't used to game time at that that time of day so it was always a little always a little different those games are always kind of tend to be a little wacky sometimes so uh i don't know i think it's a good a good chance a good test uh, a good a good test to finish the road trip for the Ducks. Like you said, they have that extremely effective dynamic first line. They've got good D and they've got good goaltending. That's a pretty good recipe for success in the in the NHL. So and, and the results uh, the results have obviously been there the past few years. So um, yeah, I mean I, I like the Ducks uh, the way they've been playing and I, I think they they match up well. Obviously that, that first line and. Uh, Keeping them in check, and but the Ducks PK has looked uh, has looked rock solid so far this year. So that'll be a a good test for them. Ending the road trip, coming back home to play uh, Buffalo and Carolina. Buffalo, uh, yeah, as you mentioned, both these teams can score for sure. Um, Buffalo has all the the dynamic forwards, Eichel, Skinner, and then they've got some. Uh, some new kind of young up and comers that are chipping in offensively, um, having some good success early on the season. Uh, I question uh, question the the D and their goaltending uh, a little bit, kind of long term. But uh, scoring lots of goals is a, is a great way to win win games early in the season. But I think they'll have the the real test for them will become as games kind of get tightened tighten up. 
uh, later in the season. But, uh, yeah, definitely an exciting team to watch. And Carolina, um, I would have to kind of place them in generally the same category, kind of high-flying. They're putting up a lot of... A lot of goals early on in the season, and their uh, their young stud, one of the most exciting players I think to watch, uh, kind of in the modern NHL, Sebastian Ajo. Um, he really hasn't even got going yet. I think he has one assist so far this season, and they're they're still putting up big numbers. Um, yeah, I, I like some of their additions in the off season. I think they they're a really good hockey team, and I think they're going to be. Uh, going to be a force uh throughout throughout the season i think they're they're d um bringing in uh gardner from toronto um and edmonton from st louis i think those were nice pickups for them and we've got dougie hamilton um and uh slavin back there so again i, I love their d i've got a ton of depth scoring up front and um I know they have Mirazik and I believe it's Reimer uh, in, in net. Yeah. And uh, Reimer's been solid so far. I think the numbers are there. Um, so, yeah, I, th- I think that's going to be – they're going to be a team to watch, definitely, uh, early in the season and, and beyond. I think they're they're going to be good. The one thing I will say <laughs> about Carolina, just my personal opinion, they should have – with the uh, the surge, we should have left it. It was uh-huh. good for a year, but then they're I think they're they're doing it again this year. I think they should have just stopped after one year, and it, it was awesome for a season. But it's kind of like I, th- I think it, I think it's I think it ran its course. It was great, but they, I don't know. Yeah, I I, I, still I, doing it. I think that's too long. I have to agree with you there. Um, and I think they're only doing that one. I might have just only seen a couple games, but it seems like they're only doing that one where they kind of all do the big Viking clap and then they all skate and slam their shoulders against the boards. <laughs> uh, I don't know if they're if they're mixing it up anymore like they did last year, but yeah. I, I agree no with you. No laser light shows and Evander Holyfield and everything. Like yeah. That. I like, mean, which was awesome, awesome for a year. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with you. I thought I thought it was interesting. I I was one of the people who was in support of it because I I thought, well, I mean, if you're you're getting attention, you're drawing attention to hockey, and it, it, there's really no such thing as bad publicity. I think in, in when it comes to that. But after a year, yeah, I think it's played out. They had their run. You really only associate. You, I mean, they should only associate it with that one season. And if they're only going to do the, obviously, it's kind of like a slippery slope. Like if you keep doing it and you keep trying to do different things, you're going to have to step it up and eventually there's going to be like trapeze art it's going to be like Cirque du Soleil uh and uh and then and if they only do that one kind of celebration it's kind of lame like I even remember I saw the most recent one and I was like that is just it looks like they're not really even into it so I wonder if that's a directive from ownership that's like hey we need to keep doing this because the fans like it or something yeah that's true that's a good point yeah I wonder what the what the dynamics are I'm sure there's uh yeah, I'm sure there's maybe some multiple levels going in on there. So yeah, I'd be curious to to hear the kind of behind the scenes of the surge year yeah. two. But uh, I don't know. We'll have to see how that plays out. I'm curious if you think just getting back to the the, the two games against Buffalo and Carolina. Um, it's interesting to me that the two teams that are kind of that had defensemen that were rumored in, in trades that Bob Murray was looking for Buffalo with Rasmus Ristolainen and Carolina with Justin Falk, who's now with St. Louis, but they they both were kind of involved in trade rumors with the Ducks. 
I'm curious yeah. now that if they're coming to Anaheim, that those might start uh, generating again, especially because Ristolainen is still in Buffalo and Carolina. Uh, now they're, I mean, obviously they're one defenseman. Uh, they don't really exactly have a wealth or a, a overwealth of defensemen now that Falk is gone, but they do have Dougie Hamilton, who's a right shot defender, and he he has. Uh, He's been involved in a couple trade rumors, I too, I, too, I think, uh, at least last season. So I wonder if, if those type of, if that, that will kind of ramp up the rumors again. Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, usually get uh, more trade rumors kind of swirling around with teams that are, are struggling. I think when, when you kind of uh, are working with uh, with lineups that you're kind of finding success with, which all three of these teams are early in the season, that that usually kind of um, quells a lot of the uh, the trade rumors because obviously things are working, and if it, if it ain't broke, uh, don't fix it. So um, I don't know. Yeah, you, you never know. I, I think it obviously. Uh, Kind of bring it bring it forward in people's minds, seeing these these guys coming into town. And if there were um, rumors before, I guess there, some questions might arise. But yeah, I, I think from what all these all these rosters and all these teams have done so far, I think everyone involved in all these cases has to be uh, liking what they're seeing so far. That's a good point. I didn't. I did. I did kind of forget about the winning part. Why would you mess with it with a winning formula? So let's get to the three stars of the uh, three stars of the podcast. And like I mentioned before, Kent having been an NHL defenseman, who were your three three players that when you were on the ice and and they they dumped it into your zone and you went back to retrieve the puck that you maybe looked over your shoulder an extra time or thought like, oh, this is going to be painful when they came in for the forecheck. <laughs> yeah, I remember. Um, yeah, there was, I'm going to do two that were, uh, that were more on kind of the, the physical side and one that was like, uh, we'll call it emotional, <laughs> but I guess we'll start with that. Not to leave the, the cliffhanger, but it, the first one, I guess, coming down, uh, it was kind of a different kind of, uh, of, oh shit. It was kind of, uh, when you saw Datsuk coming down, like with the puck on a one-on-one and you're just like all of your your pride is suddenly like in jeopardy that this guy is just going to make you look like an absolute idiot. Uh, so that was always always one of the, the worst fears as a defense in any way. So you always tended to give guys like that uh, a few extra feet and kind of maybe back in a little more just in hopes that he wasn't going to thread it between your your legs and, and your stick and break your ankles as you walked <laughs> in on a breakaway and buried some kind of stupid move on the goalie like uh so i mean just play with that guy the, the amount of talent he had was just uh unworldly like it, it was crazy the skill level he had uh, we got to play with him a little bit in detroit as well so he was always a phenomenal talent i think talk if you just talk of any defenseman of that generation that would be a, a common answer because he's kind of the one of guy if not the most likely guy to make you look silly uh, as an NHL player and that was never ever something you wanted uh, the other two more in the pain category was uh, Jordan Tutu the Tutu train uh, <laughs> who I also uh, had the chance to, to play with and um, actually my wife and I went on a, a trip with uh, with him and his wife and uh, so we got to know them 
well over over time. But uh, I remember it was just when he was in Nashville and he had the the two two on the back of the jersey twenty two, and he was just a fan favorite. So he'd get on the ice and the crowd would get going. And and uh, yeah, I mean it's kind of a you know sometimes in my career I'd be kind of um, sprinkled in uh, on the first couple of pairs. Uh, like one or two of like there were hurts or like there was penalties and stuff like that. But for the most part, I was in the third pair and you always get the, the third and fourth lines of the other team. So, uh, yeah, he'd get on the ice and the fans would just start to start going and he'd just chip the puck in and he could, he was fast too, which was, he wasn't like a, a big giant guy. Like he was fast and he was just a little freight train. He'd come in and, <laughs> Even if he got a piece of you, it's usually enough to uh, to put you down. So he was, uh, yeah, he was just he was tough because he was, and he was kind of undersized too. So he was he wasn't like you were getting getting put down by someone who was like six five, like it was probably just a shorter guy. But he was just so so solid and so fast, and just came in with such force that, uh, that yeah, he usually put a pretty good lick on you. Um, and then, uh, the other one was, um, the guy from, I don't know, we ended up, we always, uh, had all the, the interdivision games against the Sharks and another guy who I got to play with for a while and got to be good friends with is, uh, Jody Shelley, the tough guy for the, uh, now does, uh, color work for, uh, Columbus. Yeah, he... I remember, I don't know, he always just kind of had my number and would, would chip it in and check it. I don't know, he always, there was another guy that would just, uh, I don't know, found a way to make it uh, just a little more, lay a little more hurt every time he came in. And a couple of times he was, he'd get me in the scrum too. There was one time I remember all my buddies were in town and, uh, we're coming to watch the game and it was we were in a scrum right in front of the net like right where they were all sitting and uh i just kind of came in and was kind of you know grabbed on to, to someone and was just kind of standing there and i don't know what happened but he just turned around and like popped me right in the face like <laughs> so hard and i was like so unexpected because i i kind of i had my guy in the scrum but he just totally popped me with his glove on but it's usually just kind of right in the nose and i think i got a bloody nose second my, time my just like in the uh, in training camp right in front of my buddies and they were all just cracking outside and laughing thought it was hilarious so he was uh but yeah that was the guy that always kind of had my number on the ice as well jody shelley yeah, I uh, it's 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 a good list. I, I obviously two two is the one that everybody thinks of uh, uh, on the Spit and Chicklets podcast. Uh, I think that the two two fever. I, I think it was Pitkin in uh, one of the Philadelphia defensemen yeah. uh, just decided yeah, he didn't want to play. Yeah, I, yeah, that was definitely real. And uh, yeah, I could have, I should have came down with the two two flu or whatever it was a couple times. That would have saved myself some uh, some ice bags in the room after the game, but. Uh, Oh, he was great. How about uh, how about you for your your three arch nemesis uh, hockey players? Players I I just dreaded seeing on the ice when I growing up when I'm. I was rooting for a team, whether it was the Bruins or a team either after they'd been eliminated and you kind of pick your your team in the playoffs that you're pulling for. If it's not your own team, uh, the three were Thomas Vanek, P.K. Subban, and Thomas Plakanich. Uh, 
Thomas Vanek, it felt like just always killed the Bruins. He he was nasty. And same with PK Subban. Subban had that uh, overtime goal, I believe. Um, has had multiple overtime goals in his career that have just either shut down teams in the playoffs or shut down the Blue, Bruins. Yeah. And then uh, the last one, Thomas Plakanich. He's kind of an underrated one. I remember. I just didn't like his stash and his like turtleneck. I, I just didn't like the way he looked uh, on the ice. But he always killed. He he same thing. He always scored in big moments against teams that I was rooting for. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I know. I, I was reading. I saw the list in in, uh, in the the notes before, and yeah, noted uh, noted Bruin killers there. Those three guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I th- I think that'll do it. Thanks, uh, thanks, Ken, for coming on. And and even though you're at the wedding and you're you're in the middle of all these celebrations, we appreciate it. We're getting getting that other episode out. As always, you can find me at Deli Tweets, uh, D E L L I T W E E T S. And Kent, uh, you can go ahead and give him your social. Yeah, so Instagram is Huskverna H U S K underscore V E R N A. And I actually had my first career tweet. This week, Anthony was. Uh, I think it was the same day. Husqvarna on uh, on Twitter. I did. I saw. I think I saw that tweet, or I saw a ghost tweet. See, because I got a, a notification that you had responded. I thought it was to one of my tweets, and then as as soon as I see, I saw it, it disappeared, and I was like, "Did he delete it? What happened?" Like I couldn't figure out. I was like, "I think he just tweeted." <laughs> I'm still learning. I'm still learning. I think I put it up and then deleted it by mistake, or I, I forget what I did. But uh, and, then, and then I think I reposted it like an hour later or something when I figured out what it done. So <laughs> I'm still learning, but I'll get better. Absolutely. Well, uh, good talking to you, and enjoy the wedding. Enjoy Canadian Thanksgiving, and uh, see you next week. Thanks, buddy. So, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye bye. Well, that'll do it for another episode of the Flying the Anaheim Ducks podcast here on the Believe Podcast Network. Thanks to Kent for coming on all the way from Ontario, Canada. As always, you can find us on your favorite podcast directories. That's iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. You can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcasts. You've already heard our social accounts, and that'll do it for episode five. We'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.